I'm Rabbi Sarah Berman, and welcome to Central Synagogue's Sharing Our Stories Project. This is a year-long initiative allowing our members and community members to share their stories with one another. What you're about to listen to comes from the partnership between Central Synagogue and StoryCorps, inviting our members to share oral histories with one another. Enjoy. I'm Peter Rubenstein. I'm a senior rabbi of Central Synagogue from 1991 to 2014. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl, the current senior rabbi of Central. Uh, I didn't know anybody like Angela uh, when I was living in the Bronx. <laughs> uh, firstly, you know, we didn't have anything but, you know, descendants of Eastern European Jews. And we didn't even have many descendants of German Jews. Um, and when one walked the streets uh, during the festivals and the, and the Chagim, uh, the high holidays, all you saw were, you know, people walking um, and, uh, you know, very few cars on the road. A lot of men were, you know, carrying their talitot. And uh, so, uh, and, you know, the city, uh, New York City, closed its schools during, the you know, during the high holidays and during all the uh, Chagim. Uh, so that was it. When I went to high school, um, my high school was 94% Jewish. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't have many, you know, Christians, and we didn't have many people of color. The only person of color in my high school class was Stokely Carmichael, uh, blessed memory. Um, so it was, um, so I, you know, I, uh, you know, they suspended alternate side of the street parking in New York City during the Jewish holidays, which is the way New York acknowledges the presence of a, a religious group. And when I was in temple, we didn't call it a synagogue; that was too, too uh, observant. I, I called it a religious reform congregation, and I grew up in a religious reform home. We celebrated Shabbat uh, in high school. We were not allowed to go out on Friday nights, except if there's a big event. I went to college, um, you know, in a, a school that was primarily, you know, it was all men. Uh, it was a school that was primarily made up or to a great extent made up of people coming from boarding schools. Uh, and um, it was, you know, I, I met a, you know, a community that was very different from the one in which I grew up in. Uh, there may have been 10%, 20% Jews, and that was it. Um, I have that like typical story of like little girl born in South Korea, moves to the tiny Jewish community of Tacoma, decides to become a rabbi. I grew up in a community where uh, we scraped together 300 families from a 30 mile radius from as far south as Olympia, where there wasn't yet a synagogue, to Aberdeen, to of course uh, Tacoma. And so while I did have about 15 kids in my, in my grade, um, all of us went to different high schools. We, we were very singular in our particular secular communities. And um, I was very lucky that I grew up in a Jewish community that I had some roots in. My father became bar mitzvah in that congregation. My grandfather was a part of that community. And I had 17 first cousins that all became b'nai mitzvah. So in a sense, I, I felt like I had yichas there. It was a, a real warm, embracing home for me and for my mother and sister. And so that was... Um, the gift that Rabbi Richard Rosenthal of Blessed Memory um, gave me for my childhood Jewish upbringing. And I felt, I felt a sense of deep at-homeness in my Jewish community. I think what is common to both our stories is to, there was a veering that brought us to the rabbinate. It was, it was not a natural path for either one of us. While I was in college, uh, very first um, week, somebody who became my best friend uh, was from West Virginia. And he came and he stood against my doorpost. I have an absolute recollection of it. And he said to me, 
you know, Peter, I'm from West Virginia. You know, I didn't know any Jews. Uh, so tell me, what do Jews believe? I couldn't answer them. I, I, you know, I, my identity as Jews was very firm. That's what it was. We never, you know, we didn't grow up talking about God or faith or belief. But that question kind of haunted me. And while I was at Amherst College, I started to take every course with a this amazing guy, uh, Jack Pemberton, who he started to come to our house for Seder. He was actually, you know, an Anglican. And my older brother, after graduation, who was in rabbinical school, said to me, I, you know, I get it. You went through four years of college. You didn't date a Jewish girl. But what is this writing on a Christian theologian? So I figured he knew everything. So I asked him, well, Larry, what did Jews believe? And he fumfered. He said, well, you ought to speak to my professor of theology. So I met with uh, Gene Borowitz, whom I didn't know was actually a brilliant theologian. And we met at a bar on the West Side with equal arrogance. He asked me, well, what's your problem? And I said, I don't have a problem. I have a question. What do Jews believe? And he said to me, well, if you want to learn that, you have to come study with me. I said, look, I'll give you a year. I'll postpone my joint MD-PhD program for a year. I'll give you a year. But that's how I entered the rabbinate. And then Rabbi Jack Stern, a blessed memory, who was, you know, my God, uh, retired uh, Westchester Reform, invited me to come. And for a variety of reasons, so did Central. So I went to Central. Um, I think being a rabbi was very, very far from my mind. Rabbi Rosenthal actually even suggested the idea when I became bat mitzvah. I thought that was the craziest idea. Um, but going to Israel when I was 16 on the Bronfman Youth Fellowship sort of turned my head around made me realize, wow, there's a job where people get to like learn and study and teach and do this all the time. That's not exactly what my day looks like as a rabbi. <laughs> Peter can test that that's not exactly what our days look like every day. In some ways, the fantasy of what it is to be a rabbi is real at Central. It is the most unbelievable privilege to be in um, a role in which you get to step in at most meaningful moments of people's lives, whether they're joyful or painful, um, to be able to help people understand their meaning and purpose in a deep way and to work in a place that pushes us to be not just each individually, but us as a people to be our best selves and to contribute. I can't um, say enough about how fortunate I feel that I, I felt called to do this work. Um, ended up going to college. I wanted to be a rabbi since I was 16. The canter, it kind of came as a, a little bump in the road, but it was a total blessing because if I hadn't become a canter, I would have never ended up at Central. And that was sort of a little bit of a whim as well to apply for that job. Um, and I didn't think um, I was going to make this big move because I was quite comfortable in Scarsdale. Loved that congregation. But this was, as my mother said to me when I was making the decision, she said, the point of life is not to be comfortable. It's to fulfill your potential. And I realized that, that I needed to leave my first adult home. And so coming to Central was just such a, a stretching of my imagination, boundaries, and possibility. And that is uh, something I was really privileged to experience from the culture that Peter really created at Central. And I hope that we have continued in that spirit since I took over. To learn more about sharing our stories and to read and hear more member stories, please visit sharingourstories.centralsynagogue.org. We'd love to hear your story. Thank you.